Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. You're listening to the Kings Cast Podcast. New episodes are released weekly. Follow on Twitter and Instagram at KingsCast. Like on Facebook and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. Welcome to Kings Cast with Eric and Ryan. This is your weekly Sacramento Kings podcast for Kings fans by Kings fans. As always, this episode is brought to you by Ziggy Smoke Shop. You can follow Ziggy Smoke Shop on Instagram at Ziggy Smoke Shop 209. They have locations in Stockton and Tracy. Uh, we are coming off of a really fun episode just last week where we had a big reaction to the Rashawn Holmes signing. So after a kind of a season-long debates. It finally came out, and we talked about that. If you're looking for that episode or any of our other episodes, you can always find those streaming wherever you find your podcast. Bringing my co-host today, as always, Ryan, what's good? What's going on? Uh, it's really early right now, dude. I'm really tired for some reason. My kid was up crying last night. He's teething, you know, so he's like in his crib, and every hour he's just like screaming and Kind of hard to get some good sleep around here nowadays, but other than that, I'm doing great. I have a good day planned. I'm going to go swimming after this and just hang out. Got the lawns done yesterday, so Sunday is just a hangout day, man. There you go. You know, you, you were you did have the uh, beer crack tradition, but since we're doing these at like 7 in the morning now, I think that it might be fitting that you do some type of energy crack uh, tradition mm. moving forward. Something to consider or maybe a little coffee or something. But uh, so we got a really fun episode. One of my favorite episodes that we do. Um, so we brought in a friend of the show, Casey Yost today from Kingsland. So today's episode is officially Kingsland episode four. So Kingsland is the Facebook group that we run with Casey and then our guy, Cap City, Tony. Um, and it is uh, this series is where we bring on uh, Casey and we talk about just kind of all the hot topics in Kingsland. So Kingsland episode four right now. Um, Casey, happy to have you on, man. What's good, bro? What's going on, guys? Yeah, I always love coming on and episode number four. It's turning into a little bit of a series here. It's almost like we, we got something that's uh, going on continuously. Love it. Um, you know, love the, the the timing around some of these conversations in Kingsland. You know, as, as everybody knows, off season. Um, sometimes are the most optimistic times um, in Kingsland in these conversations. Um, and then, you know, everybody's got something to say about the direction that, that they think they want to go. So it's it's been a fun time, as always. You know, love coming on and talking about it with you guys. Yeah, man, uh, it's been a great time around Kingsland and then for Kings cast, you know, and, and usually we try to do these once a month with KC, but sometimes schedules and things don't work out. But um, I'm sure we'll probably be making these a little more regular. 
Uh, hey, Ryan, uh, I wanted before we got into the episode, you know, I've been something I've been talking about is is giving shout outs to people, which I'm sure we're going to do throughout the episode. But we did get a five star review. I just I just came across it. And I didn't want to miss it. Um, this one was funny, guys. You just tell me what think. So Muhammad Black uh, dropped uh, five stars and he tagged it as authentic. He said, I like how real and honest they keep it compared to other Kings talk shows and podcasts and sack curse words and all makes it feel much more authentic way to go fellows big salute there you go yeah fuck everybody else there i love it man finally we, <laughs> we get some recognition for that hey you know you know it's funny when we started doing this uh like the very first episode eric came out guns blazing like man fuck this fuck that fuck this and i remember being like hey bro like you might have to chill out on that. And then, you know, like a week later, I caught myself dropping a few F-bombs. So it's just kind of become part of the uh, part of the program. You know, it's the emotional aspect of it, you know. Got to set uh, the tone early. Yeah, set the tone, man. So, yeah, I'm glad you like our curse words. Uh, our mom listened to this at one point, and uh, she was like, oh, my God, why are you? You guys' language is just, you know, that's just not, that's not okay. <laughs> I told her mom, we're just doing hood rat shit with our friends. All right. Uh, but yeah, so KC, man, uh, how's the tone been on Kingsland? Cause you know, I would say since the last time we had you on Kingsland might've doubled since the last time we had you on, which is crazy. I mean, I think we are really, you know, we always say best, best, uh, group in, in Facebook group out there. Uh, but man, we're almost at 2000. I think we'll be at 2000 before the season, but what's the tone been? How's Kingsland been for you? Um, talk a little bit about it. Yeah. And it is, man. It keeps growing. It seems week over week, we're adding more and more people. And, you know, to kick it off, I put quite a bit of time into recruiting people, right? Going into other groups, trying to get the people who could have good conversation and bring them in. And it's gotten to the point where I'm not even doing that anymore. Um, you know, it seems that the, the group is on, you know, enough radars and comes up in enough searches that the people are just joining. Um, so, so, so that's great. But, you know, the, the tone in Kingsland right now, like I said, is it's all, it's mostly positive, right? It being in the off season seems like that's been one of the most optimistic times of the season where, you know, everybody can think about the possibility that that's coming up in the next season. And that, that seems like that that's kind of where we sit right now. Everybody has a different direction in, in how they want to get there and, and the, the best moves that they think that they should make, but everybody sees a path to, you know, the goals that we're trying to achieve, which is really to make the playoffs this year. And I think right now um, it's just such a fun time to be in Kingsland because everybody has that optimism and, you know, way to, to, to reach our goals at, at this point. So it's, it's been all good. I'm, I'm loving it. Um, you know, the activity seems to be going up. Like I said, the member membership is growing. It's, it's really turned into to an awesome place that, you know, like we had planned from the beginning. Yeah. So we've, we started this, it hasn't even been a year, huh, Casey? I mean, not even close. Huh? I think we started December. Yeah, I think we're coming up on eight or nine months. Yeah, December of last year. And, um, you know, it'd be, I thought I thought since it's been a while and, and, and then the group has doubled, then maybe we talk a little bit about kind of what Kingsland's about. Because for a lot of people, this may be the first episode that they're, they're looking into. So, you know, we started this really because we were tired of King's Twitter. Uh, some of the other Facebook groups were kind of... Uh, I don't know. You know how they get, you know, people just dropping stupid stuff. And um, so we wanted to start a thing with KC and, and and Ryan and I did that so that we had a place where we could debate. And I, and I had this one, KC, this last week, someone said they were complaining about a, you know, a specific topic. And I said, well, you know, man, Kingsland is a place where people can drop are free to drop whatever takes they want. 
but at the same time, you got to prepare to defend them. And then anybody who is free to comment, whatever, but you, you know, basically you got to embrace that back and forth, the embrace debate. And that's kind of what we started the page on. I think that's kind of uh, held true. You know, Ryan and I, we really like that. We really like to go, go at people. You like to go people. We like people going at us. You know, I think it's, it's, it's really cool how the group has developed into a place where everyone can debate, but it, it, at the end of the day, it's cool. It keeps it cool. You know, whereas in other places it gets crazy, you know? Yeah. There's, it's not really a toxic environment is, is the biggest thing, dude. Those, those other groups, you, you know, people start, honestly, they just start cussing at you and calling you dumb and calling you an idiot and stuff. And I mean, you guys are definitely more active on the page than I am. Um, I'm, I, I view it every day, multiple times a day, but you guys post more. Um, so like a lot of the times I just scroll through the comments. Like I see you guys are like debating with people and I'll just scroll through the comments. Like, all right, let's see what these guys are saying, dude. And I, I, you know, I'll like some, I'll like some, uh, some comments and stuff, but yeah, you guys go pretty hard sometimes, dude. It, it cracks me up. Like I'll be at work and I'm looking at KC just like going at it with some random guy. And I'm just like, I'm like, geez, man, you guys are just going us. Uh, so um, but, but it's, it's, it's really a cool place. I'm glad we did that, you know, and then, um, also like big, big shout out to Tony too, our, our guy on there. Um, Casey, I'm, you know, um, you've done a great job, but you know, Tony with the graphics, dude, it's been amazing. So, um, really just really, uh, really happy that we did that page. Yeah. And guys, if you, if you're not following Cap City Crown right now, you know, after this podcast or, or even while you're listening to it, go, go check that page out. He, Tony is the one that runs that. He's the one that makes um, a lot of the material for our group. He does material outside of the group as well. That's covered under that Cap City Crown page. So uh, go give that a like, go give it a follow. You know, Tony does a lot of good things for the group and we'd like to uh, show him support back for his page. Let's start off the Kingsland episode four with probably the hottest topic, the biggest topic, the one that I really wanted to bring in KC for um, Casey. I wanted to give you the platform to talk about Rashawn Holmes because, um, you know, uh, going back a year, really, uh, we we brought you on here. You've made like crazy amount of posts. You're one of the only people out there in like I'm not saying out there because there's a lot of people in the group that felt this way. But when it came to like Kings media bloggers, anybody like that, everybody felt one way about Rashawn Holmes, which is the overvaluing, the overloving, the overpaying over everything with him. And then you were with us riding that train. So how how uh, you know you could call it satisfying or whatever it felt when that deal came out. And then when it came out again that it, it was falsely reported and it was actually four for 47. Uh, talk about the whole thing and in, in, in with us. That, that was awesome, man. Yeah, it was it was satisfying because there's been so many conversations that, that we've been having about that specific topic and really not just this year. It seems like it's been something that's been going on for two or three years now when, you know, conversations about re-signing Buddy, last year conversations about should we match Bogey, what's he worth? And then, you know, throughout this year it was uh, Rashawn Holmes, you know, how much is he worth? What's he going to uh, require uh, us to to match in the market if we want to keep him? And you know, we've been saying the entire time, it seems like, you know, fans in the moment, you know, they, they see a guy busting their ass, working really hard, having a career year, and they, they, without having other areas to measure it off of and compare, they just want to pay him whatever they think it's going to take. And so there are articles out, rumors out that he's going to require a four-year $80 million contract, $20 million a year. And the, the narrative really was, we got to match that, you know, we got to do everything that we can to, to keep him. 
And a lot of us were saying, look, guys, you know, we get it. We like Rashawn Holmes, too. But at the same time, you got to understand somebody with a, a pretty limited skill set like that, you know, requires athleticism, um, requires hustle to really make a mark on the game. He's approaching his his 30s coming up in the next couple of years. Is he worth that, you know, close to max money? And those were just the conversations that we were having. Right. What's he worth? Is, is he worth that, you know, $20 million a year contract? We're saying no. We're saying, you know, it's it's closer to half of that. 10 to 12 million a year is really where we were. And all we were just trying to show in, in comparison to that was, look, here are the list of centers that, that make X amount of money. We want to be in the area of, you know, proper value or good value, not in, in the area where we're saying this might be an overvalued contract. We may have overpaid to keep him. The Kings are a small enough market that, you know, we can't afford to the luxury of overpaying people to come here, right? We've already done it a couple of times. I think that, you know, it can be debatable, but I think Buddy's a little bit overpaid. I think HB is a little bit overpaid just in terms of value, right? And in, in what they actually should make. I think they're a little bit overpaid and, and we couldn't have a third guy sitting in that same bucket. And so, you know, those were just the things that we were continuing to harp on. And it seemed like a majority of people weren't with us, right? It seemed like, um, you know, the the last numbers that I just pulled on one of the, the polls that we did, it was about 62% of people were like, pay him whatever, you know, pay him anything 15 to 20 million a year, give him the money we have to keep him, we can't afford to lose him. So it's always nice and, and funny going back and pulling some of those posts up and looking at that. Um, and my most recent one was, you know, we, we got to stop overvaluing our players a little bit here. You know, the first problem, uh, the first um, step in recovery is admitting that you have a problem and we do overvalue our people and that's okay. You know, we're, we're, we're passionate about it, but something to, to keep in mind as we have these conversations going forward, it's three years running now, buddy, bogey Holmes. you know, we can only look back and say, I told you so, so many times, but we've definitely reached that point. And I think Holmes was a big piece of that. You know, the biggest the biggest thing about, you know, paying Rashawn Holmes all that money was, you know, I, I think we would all agree with the way the roster is set up right now, today. Um, I don't think that, you know, they're a playoff team, right? And I think you guys would agree, right? It's essentially the same the same lineup. Uh, you know, you brought in a rookie. Cool. Uh, so what people don't understand is if they would have given Rashawn Holmes money like that and they would have had to make, you know, create some cap space, the roster would have been worse and you would have been strapped for cash long term for Rashawn Holmes. So that thought process didn't really like make sense to me is why people wanted to do that. Because it's like, dude, we're not a playoff team. You know, if we if we have to pay him, that means our, our roster is even going to be, you know, shittier than it was this year. And we're going to be strapped for cash. So like that whole thought process was just weird. And the whole the whole year, you know, that was a big point that we were trying to make. And people just were not seeing that. And, you know, you talked about it, paying whatever we got to do. You know, people are talking about, well, we lost bogey last year for nothing and we can't do it two years in a row. And uh, at the end of the day, we are fucking right. <laughs> it's it's it cracks me up. But, uh, the, yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan of the move, man. It, everything worked out perfectly. It worked we, out for everybody, too. Everybody's yeah, happy. Sure. Yeah, right. Even yeah. even the people who were willing to pay him mm -hmm. more. They're, of course, happy that we got him on this value deal. It's it's a yeah. win for everybody. And so, you know, smile, turn the page. And next time yeah. this comes up, we can look back at this and be like, you know, maybe you guys are overvaluing these people a little mm -hmm. bit. Let's look at the value 
uh, way to have this conversation, not the got to pay him whatever it, yeah. it takes to keep him. Yeah, those takes were crazy, man. They'd pay him whatever. I'm like, whoa, whoa, easy there, dude. He's like a 28-year-old power forward who can't get a bucket outside of the that colored area in the middle of the court. You know, I was like, you guys are nuts, dude. Yeah, the um, well, you know, it it's it's we we've talked about it in here, KC. It's that like you know that. There's le- there's layers to the NBA. I, I, this is I think I brought up last week, right? So there's layers to the NBA. There's like you root for your team on the court, and then and then there's the grand scheme of the NBA. You know, comparing players and, and different levels of players. But there's also this like back end thing that goes on. That's a huge part of the game, and it's the transaction portion. It's the GM portion, and it's the cap space portion and managing assets. That's a big. That's I would say for a lot of fans. That is that part is equally as entertaining or whatever you want to call it as the on court stuff. And that's where Ryan and I uh, that's where we like to live is that we like we love that shit, that back end stuff. That's why you 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 click with us a lot because you get that. I think a lot of people they you know, I've always said they overvalue players because people don't watch the NBA in totality so they just watch their team so when they see Rashawn Holmes they think okay he's one of the better players on the Kings whereas and when you compare them to the whole NBA you know where does he fall in line maybe not as high right but then at the same time there's the other portion that people don't follow the cap they don't understand the cap they don't understand that when you trade somebody you got to match a trade within a certain percentage you know contracts are guaranteed uh, you know, they don't understand things like that. And so I understand why the takes come out the way they do, but it's funny because you know how the internet is KC that you drop one opinion on there and people like to argue. And it's, to me, it's like, well, if you don't entirely know every, all factors, why are you debating so hard? Why are you, why are you going so crazy on your take? You know, I think that's what happened with Holmes is the pay him, whatever people, it was crazy because there, when you would start to go in with them, you'd say, well, why? Well, what's your reasoning, right? And it's it's never like, well, this X player over here does this and he got this or whatever, right? It, or the market for this age, for this type of player is this. It, it was always, a, he's he, he, he works so hard. He's one of the hardest workers. Um, he, you know, he his field goal percentage is so high, you know, all, he can switch. It was like pointing out one or two things that they heard on the Kings broadcast and, and really dying on those points, you know, and it was never really about that's why the takes got so outlandish, you know. Well, it, it turned into, you know, a lot of Kings fans think with a hopeful mindset, you know, we hope that it can turn into this situation. And a lot of the guys and, and Chris, you know, specifically, right. Cause Chris is the one that died, really died on that Hill in, in the conversation of we got to pay him anything. And his, his biggest points I think were about what Rashawn Holmes could be. He was still under the, you know, I think, and I hope that he can turn into this player and continue to develop like he has over the last couple of years, he's going to keep taking those steps. And so many Kings fans think with that hopeful, you know, I, I hope our guys develop. I, 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 you know, I want it to be this way. I want it to be keeping guys in-house, developing in-house. It just hasn't happened that way. And so, you know, it, it doesn't make sense to talk, put all your money into something that, that hasn't worked. We've tested that out. And those were, those were only the, you know, the points that we were, we were trying to make there. The best, the best argument, I love the, he's such a hard worker. Like, first off, how the fuck do you know? Okay, like, let's just put <laughs> that out there right now. Okay, 
Like, how, how do you know? And, uh, you know, because you always hear about, you know, a big knock on Buddy Heald is everyone's just like, well, well he just kind of just doesn't hustle around the court and he just kind of turns the ball over. But, you know, the narrative on Buddy Heald coming out of college was he's the hardest working motherfucker in the draft, dude. That Like, that was known, like, you know, so that hard work and BS crap, you don't know, dude. I, I can't stand that, you know. He's such a hard worker. He's such a good guy. And you're just like, dude, you don't know this guy personally, dude. That that just drives me nuts. Those arguments that are just so emotional and and just like hearsay, you know, like you said, you feelings heard it on based. the Yeah, feelings, dude. Hey, me and Eric say it every single week, dude. Like Colin Coward, fall in like with players, don't fall in love, man. These dudes be falling in love with players and they just be saying some outlandish shit. And it just cracks me up, man. It really does. They've always, Kings fans have always been that way. You know, we've talked about on the show, Ryan and I are throw, well, KHDK nowadays, not really a fan of, of them. But when we were kids, they were, the, it was the real deal. And Ryan and I grew up uh, listening to talk radio every day. And it, it reminds me of some of those callers back in the day that would call Grant's show. And it, when the Kings were in the heyday, you know, when the, when the Kings get better, you'll see, everyone will see it, you know, that. Uh, you, the the people will come out of the woodwork and become obsessive overnight about the Kings that didn't give one shit about the Kings before, which is fine. But then they call the show. And it's like I remember it was calling. Well, Doug Christie does so much for the community, and it's like that's that's the type of takes you start to get is those types of things, and you can't have that. You know, you can't have that. So so I guess the original point we were making was like <clears throat> it's fine to love them, but there is those there is those layers. The funniest take KC on Kingsland was. A guy went at you. <laughs> I want you to talk about this. I want to because this is this is fucking hilarious. Okay, Frank Dixon Graham, shout out to you for being on Kingsland. But man, I'm not a fan of this take you gave, brother. Uh, you, he basically tried to tell you, KC, that uh, he took the lower contract because <laughs> this is what I'm saying. When people love, I'm when people love a player, they get every benefit of the fucking doubt. When they don't like him, zero benefit of the doubt. You know, but he was such a team player, Casey. This is from Frank that he uh, he took a, a lower contract because it was a uh, personal sacrifice for the team. <laughs> I want you to I want to say something <laughs> that that's a hell of a reach. I mean, <laughs> I'll say that uh, there's just nothing that supports that. Right. You you get down that line of thinking. I, I'm not quite sure how you get there, right? It's, you're just not paying attention to, to really what's going on. And that's what I, I think I responded back to him, right? Like, there, there's nothing that supports that he took a team-friendly deal, right? Everything that we saw, he just didn't have a market, right? We, you know, we waited long enough. He didn't get any offers. Um, there was no market for him. This is, this is what he's worth. This is what we've been saying that he's worth. And this is the contract that he got. People are were so certain that he was worth you know a bigger contract that he was going to get that and now that he didn't get it they're looking for reasons that you know justify that and one of them is well maybe he's just a good guy and gave us a team-friendly deal well we didn't see any any single offers out there for him maybe he just didn't have a market and we were right the entire time about what his value was Dude, we have yet, have you guys, this is weird to me, okay? We have yet to hear any rumors about any other teams potentially going after him for any type of money. Not even one. It, he was, dude, and I was thinking about this yesterday. You know, you had the Kelly Oubre and the Dennis Schroeder situations where they thought they were going to get that bag, right? Like, that's what people like to say over here. I'm going to get that bag. And uh, look what ended up happening to them. You know, two years, 24 for Kelly Oubre 
and one year, five mil for Dennis Schroeder. You know, if if Sacramento wouldn't have brought back, you know, if they would have waited on Rashawn Holmes just a little bit longer, they had the rights, right? He was restricted. They could have matched, whatever. Dude, is there a possible, or no, he was unrestricted, sorry. But if they would have waited longer, you know, like, was anybody ever going to offer him? You know, I was thinking about that yesterday. I'm like, dude, I wonder if he would have been in that same situation as Schroeder and Kelly Oubre, dude. And they asked, you know, they were expecting to get that almost $100 million, bro, and they didn't get it. So, I, I mean, at the end of the day, everything worked out. But, you know, that just shows, you know, guys thinking they're they're way more valuable than they actually are in the NBA, dude. It's ridiculous. And also, Frank, guys, guys in their prime, okay, who have been career journeymen, who have never gotten a big contract... They don't take they don't take pay cuts for nobody, bro. He's not LeBron James who's getting a hundred million dollars endorsements on the side. You know, he's not Tom Brady who's chasing those rings because he's got all this money, dude. This guy needs to get paid to keep that to keep that uh, you know that generational wealth after he's playing. So they're trying to get as much money as possible. And so like we said, especially oh, you're gonna take the discount in the state with the highest taxes yeah, and shit. It's like, stupid, dude. Dumb. You know that's dumb. Um, now <laughs> I would I wanted to say, Casey, what do you think though? Because I went on the CK podcast. You know, Leo participates in Kingsland, so he was he was all for homes and paying homes and stuff. He's one of the guys. So I went on there and talked to him. And it was a fun conversation, but, you know, the one thing he, he says now is like, well, the Kings got lucky. The Kings got lucky. Some things fell in place. He's telling me that, uh, some, you know, the Hornets and some other teams that came down to other teams, but they just got – they got somebody else in the, in the draft and, blah, you know, basically – the Kings just got lucky. And I'm like, well, if a guy's worth 80 million, that means that there's mass league wide demand. If he's worth even 16, like Leo was saying, 16 times four, you know, you do the math, you know, um, it's like, that means that there's some league wide demand. The fact that there's been literally no rumors, the contract initially reported at 55, then drops down to 47. I mean, that just shows that there wasn't much demand in, I don't know why people can't just admit that, you know, the people that were wrong say, Hey man, I was wrong. Maybe, maybe I heard some stuff. I kind of bought into the hype. I thought this, but at the end of the day, man, you guys might've been right. Like you guys just take seems in line with the market. It seems like good for the Kings. Hey, good, good job on that take. Why can't people do that? And then what do you think about the whole lucky thing? No, I think it's a, a natural mindset for, for a lot of people, right? They're just looking to pivot to, to stay on their, you know, th- their point, right? How, how can I make my point continue to be accurate? And a lot of people fall into that bucket. Um, and, it, it, you know, it, it is what it is, uh, unfortunately. But, um, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll have to see. Um, you know, I, I think maybe as time goes on, more people will, will say, you know, as – well, what really ended up happening was for the Hornets and the Knicks, right? You know, those are the two teams that were looking at signing homes and looking at, you know, the potential that they could pay him a bigger amount of money. They started looking at situations where, you know, we can bring in Plumlee for $8 million a year. We can re-sign home or Noel for $8 million a year. It just didn't make sense, right? There were better options. And, and those were the things that we were pointing out. I, I think that maybe as time goes on and, and people continue to, to look at that and look at situations where teams are not, paying 15 to $20 million a year for centers like that, that, that maybe it'll sink in more, but it's really just a pivot, you know, trying to stay in that mindset of, um, you know, this is how I've made it make sense for the longest time. How do I continue to look at avenues so that it continues to make sense going forward? I can't make much sense of it though, honestly, outside of that. Yeah, it's really, it's yeah, the whole thing was, was crazy. It was interesting, but you know, 
I, I, I don't even know what to say. We've gone around and around on it, so I don't even know what to say anymore about it. I just think it's funny. It's just funny. It's funny how it all played out. It was probably the biggest topic on Kingsland probably around February on, and then it's funny how when it happened, everybody who was in one direction just backpedaled and pretend like they never said anything. And I, I like, I think that's hilarious. Um, Casey, what do you think about the uh, off season so far though? There's been, uh, I think there's been a lot of stuff that that has happened. I kind of like what the Kings are doing. You know, to me, it looks like they're valuing short-term contracts. They're fortifying the bench with, with real veterans who I, I, my belief in building a, a team like this has always been to do, to do this is really, two-year contracts on guys, um, low, low guaranteed on them. Um, and then you, you, you have your starting lineup, but then on your bench is where you find veteran specialists. I love, I love that. You know, you bring in specialists to do one or two things. So you have versatility of lineups, but what do you think about the off season as well? Are you really, I know we t- you said optimism, but do you like the moves and, and you like what they're doing? Um, because I think all everybody wants to go big game hunting all the time. They want to make that big fucking trade, you know, and it hasn't really happened yet. So talk a little bit about that for us. Yeah. And don't get me wrong, man. I, I want that big move too. It's something I've been calling for forever, but at the same time, I, I do like the moves that are taking place right now. And why I like them is because I think it's always a good thing when you see a weakness in the previous season with size and defense, and it's a glaring weakness for a long time. And you approach the next off season and see the GM, you know, try to correct that, try to improve in those areas specifically. So you look at, you know, bringing in size with Tristan Thompson and Alex Len to fix some of the size issues with rebounding, defending the paint. And then you look at, you know, defense, right. Bringing in Mitchell, um, bringing in, Kata as well, you know, defense, uh, bringing Harkless back defense is, is definitely something that is on the radar as well. And so for me, you know, seeing our weakest areas as the areas that we're trying to improve is always a good sign from a, this GM is looking at things the right way. Um, now I I'm still at a point right now. And I, I've mentioned this in Kingsland that, you know, I, I think that we're still on the borderline, you know, fighting for the play in, spot category bucket whatever you want to call it that's that's still where we sit right we haven't improved enough uh to you know take the next step and I, you know i'd like us to still make that move i think some of the moves that we made this offseason in drafting mitchell you know really set us up to do another move and move buddy and possibly bagley you know in, given the situation that he could be walking away next year for nothing um, so I'd still like to see that move. I don't think that we've done enough to for me to say, you know, I'm, I'm certain that we're a playoff team. I'm certain at this point in time we will be in the fight for it again. Can we make it? Absolutely, we can. Uh, I'm not I'm not 100 percent certain that, that we will. So I, I'd still like to see another couple of moves. But everything so far, it makes sense. It aligns with what we saw last year. The Kings, uh, I'm taking this somebody's word on Kings. Maybe I'll, I'll look this up after I say it. Uh, Kings win total, uh, Vegas has it at 34 and a half, which I think last year, Ryan, was it, what is it? 29 last year, 27. Oh man. It's kind no, of it was, it was, it was 20. It was like 26 and a half, I think, because it was the, you got to think it was 72 games, right? Okay. Yeah, you're right. I think, so I think it, it was, I think it was 26 and a half. Um, yeah. Cause the year before the year, was about the same. The, the year, year before, before, the year before it was 30 and a half, I think. We bet the over-under every year. That's come we're kind of talking about this. Every single year, I, I, I bet the over-under on the Kings wins. 
but it but it just shows that if if this is correct at 34 and a half i mean that's that's the largest uh over under that's been set for them in the last five years probably so i don't know do you guys bet an over or under on that 34 and a half we always bet uh, the over. N- uh, don't no. we <laughs> don't always bet the over um the, it, the last couple we're, of years we're gonna, we're gonna have to wait we gotta wait so the good thing is is we have until fucking october to do this right so you wait to see if they make any moves you wait to see what they're you know once they release the schedule um you know and then we'll go from there but the way it's looking right now i would 34 and a half with this with this roster i would probably bet the under just because you know golden state who you're gonna have to play six times is gonna be back you know the lakers six times they're back um Phoenix, Dallas, Phoenix, you know, Dallas retooled. The Clippers will be back, you know. So when you start looking at just the Pacific Division, dude, you're there. You go. You you just I just named twenty something games, you know, to where it's like yeah, you're gonna be the underdog in every single one of those games. Um, so I would probably the way it sits right now, I'd probably bet the under. Yeah, in the years past, we were we would just bet the over just because it was set so low. It was like let's just do it, you know. It, I don't know about this year. The the back to the the points I was you were making a couple of things on Pat there. KC said I wanted to hear what you thought about the failed Buddy Hill trade. You know what did you think about that? You know from from the the view that we had, it seems like it was all but done, right? You know the the rumors that we were getting was that the players were expecting it to go through. You know management was expecting it to go through, and I think since then it's it's been a hard pivot for Monty to to try to you know find another trade, and and th- they were really close. But I get where they're coming from, right? I would have I would have pulled out of the Kings deal and made the 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 move for Russ too. So. You know, for me, it was a situation where the the Lakers once again, you know, screwed the Kings and you know came out on top of, of that. So um, it's it's disappointing to see that the Kings got used again. You know, it's it. I think it was really close, and you know, they they just ended up finding a, a better offer and and went that direction. I think I said that the that the Lakers uh, blue balled the shit out of the I hate uh, Buddy Hill fan club out there on Kingsland. So. Uh, we always say friend of the show, Chris B coined that the I hate Buddy Hill fan club, which consists of a group of people on Kingsland that no matter what Buddy Hill does, they fucking hate him. And and so they blue balled the shit out of them because he thought he was out the door. Now, that trade itself, Casey, Ryan, and I said that that was kind of a bit of a haul. You know, I thought that was a, I mean, you're getting a young wing scorer. You're getting a six man of the year guy who's legit. You know, you get a specialty player back. You get a 20 second pick in the draft they were talking about well that's a, that's a bit of a haul right and so uh for all the people that were like trade buddy healed for pretty much anything k kh i always like i like this one khdk's matt george of the locked on kings podcast and and whatever else that guy does he said i have one saved i sent it to him once in a while he said that if the Kings trade Buddy Heald, if anything else, they said this like the middle of the season, if anything else would be the biggest win of the season. So basically just trade the guy for nothing, you know, but that's dumb. We all know that's dumb take. Um, so the fact that they were going to get that back shows, shows people he has some value, right? Shooting. Everybody wants shooting, dude. Everybody loves shooting. Everybody needs shooting, you know, it, it, and, it's it's that's absolutely ridiculous but let's dude that trade right there if that would have went through right when when all that stuff was talking and you think it's going to happen your head starts turning like okay what can sacramento do right you know they were going to get montrose harrell they're going to get kuzma they're going to get that pick 
right? So you start going, okay, well, we get Kuzma and Montrezl Harrell. You know, the way things worked out with Davion Mitchell, now all of a sudden, you know, Harrison Barnes is expendable as well, you know? And who, you know, who knows if they bring back Rashawn Holmes in that situation or whatever happened, you know? So next thing you're sitting, your roster's deep, you know, you're able to make other moves. That could have kind of possibly been the ticket to getting a borderline all-star player if that move would have happened because we've been able to match salaries with Harrison Barnes and we had a pick that we could have traded and stuff. So um, definitely blue balled me, dude. I, and I love Buddy Heald, man. I, I really do. I, I think Buddy, I think Buddy Heald's super valuable, but anytime that you can get a 25 year old, you know, wing guy who plays defense like Kuzma and, a, you know, a six man of the year guy in, in Montres Harrow, who um, honestly we lack on our bench, it would have been great, you know, and that yeah, is what it is. And, Buddy Hield would have fucking killed it in the Lakers, dude. He would have killed it. This dude would have. Everybody would have been losing their minds by All-Star break last year. I can't believe we traded Buddy Hield. Oh, my God. The amount of threes, that open threes that guy would have hit last this coming up year with the Lakers would have been absurd. Yeah, because, you know, we know LeBron. First thing he would have done to Buddy is say, you don't dribble the ball ever. Yeah. I dribble the ball 24-7. Yeah. You get yourself yeah. open. I will feed you nonstop. We're going to yeah. get you open looks. Yeah. Go We're not going to let you dribble ever. Perfect go stand, situation. Go stand in the fucking corner, bro. Yeah. Right? And Buddy and Buddy would have just been raining down, dude. Yeah, put yeah, a dunce man. cap on that, dude. Let him shoot, you know. Uh, <laughs> now, K- uh, KC, what do you think is going to happen now? Because this is where this is where the emotion emotional people – in Kingsland, this is the, where they go. Okay. Well, because they they the trade had failed, now the Kings just got to now the Kings apparently just need to just move off from him immediately. Now they need to find a way to get rid of him right away. And so I will I will say this before I pass it to you. He's locked under contract for several more years. He's a declining. Um, his contract declines every year, which means that he's in his shooting is going to stay and he's still relatively young for the contract. So to me, his value is not going to change if it could increase, to be honest with you. So I, besides the fact that they have to bring a guy back after and in, into the locker room after all that, um, I think that the Kings play, play hardball and potentially rolling, but uh, roll into the season with him. I, I could be wrong, you know, I, I, about what they want to do. Do you, what do you think about uh, both of those takes there? What's, which side do you fall on? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I'm more on the wanting to move him now, um, but not for bad value back, right? It's, I'm not in the situation where I think that we have to move him because he's this, you know, giant locker room distraction. Like you guys have said, he does have value. You know, I, I think that some of the picks that we've made and the direction that we're going and in, in, in being a hard-nosed defensive team, I just don't think that, that Buddy and Bagley really mesh with that and that they're the trade package with a future pick that we have. And, you know, we've been in the situation where we're trying to add that second star level talent, right? We've seen the Siakam rumors. We've seen the Simmons rumors. There's been Tobias Harris rumors. You know, I, I think that, that Monty is still going to be trying his hardest to make a trade like that happen. But let's say one can't, right? Then, you know, I think our best bet is still to ride those guys out, right? They still both have value and continue to have conversations throughout the year. You know, there, there's, it, it's never been a situation where, and some people have said this to me, right? They would be addition by subtraction. We would get better just by removing them, even if we got nothing back. And I very much disagree with that, that saying, right? They, both of those guys have a lot of value um, and, and they're worth keeping and still having conversations, having them in our back pocket, you know, when 
a deal does present itself that we're, we have the assets ready to pull the trigger and, you know, buddy and Bagley and future picks that those are good assets. Those will get something back. It's just about staying patient, staying engaged in conversations. And it seems like from everything that we've seen, Monty's doing that. He he's, he's been on top of it. Let's debate potentially. I don't know what you guys' take on this is. Okay. So if they don't trade Buddy Hill in the offseason and they roll into the season with him, which me for me, unless Ben Simmons, that package for Ben Simmons happens or something like that, I think that uh, that's going to probably happen. Okay. So if he rolls into the season, people automatically think he's going to be off the bench. I do not, actually. I think that if he rolls into the season, I think he's going to start again. That's be- I think that's the best for the Kings. So, Casey, you could disagree with us. Let's debate it. Let's see. What do you, where do you fall about that? I think he would start, but I don't think he, he should. Uh, I'm more in the, you know, I'd rather have him off the bench. I'd like Tyrese being there if he's going to be the, the future two guard. It's more of something that, you know, there's been enough conversation and speculation around Tyrese. And we saw a good amount from him his rookie year. I'd like for us to see him, you know, w- without any um, restriction, without any training wheels on as the starting two guard to say, you know, is this going to work? Can he be the starting two guard for us? Um, we, we've kind of seen it with Buddy. And to me, I don't think a Fox Buddy backcourt is is going to be the, the future backcourt for us. Um, so let's see if Tyrese can be that guy in the starting lineup, bring Buddy off the bench. He's had success off the bench. I don't think that that's going to be the direction that they go, uh, mostly because, um, you know, how much they're paying Buddy, kind of the image that he has on the Kings right now. He, he's kind of one of our guys, so he may be the starter. But, you know, I, I'd like to just test out the speculation with Tyrese, the potential with Tyrese and Fox in the backcourt, if that's going to be the future backcourt or not, I think the sooner we know the better. And that that's more where I sit. Yeah, I think, I think buddy's going to start if he's on the roster and I, I think he should most definitely, you know, everybody, everybody's saying, take, like you said, take the training wheels off, let him get his guy played 30 and a half minutes per game last year, you know, training wheels were off, you know, he played, you go look at it. He played more minutes per game than Rashawn Holmes did. You know, so the trading wheels are off, dude. The guy, you know, he thrived in a situation where he was coming off the bench and he could be the primary ball handler and he was able to make plays and, and run around and kind of, you know, just just be him. And I, it worked. So, you know, as a, you know, what is he, 21 now? As a 21-year-old, what's the hurry, dude? If he's if he's thriving in that role, let him. You know, I, I, I definitely think you should let him. So I, I think if, you know, for sure, if Buddy's on the roster, he needs a start. For sure. Yeah. And look, I, I agreed with that all year. Um, you know, I thought it was uh, because, you know, we had people saying Tyrese needs to start now all season. And I was never in that boat. I never thought that it was something that we needed to jump into right away. Um, so, but, you know, I, I, I get where you're coming from there, Ryan. Um, but, you know, at, at the same time, I would just like to it, it's a different group right? You're playing off the bench. You're playing with a different group of players from the Kings perspective, and you're playing against a different group of players from the opposing team's perspective. So, you know, did he do well in that role? Yes. Can he do well in a starting role? That's what I'd like to know. You know, that's, you know, playing against starting players, um, playing with the starting lineup. We got to see that to end some games. He was sometimes in there to end the games. Um, So we got to see that a little bit with that group. I'd like to see him starting off against starting players, um, defending starting players, working with our starting lineup. Can it work? I think getting the answer sooner, like I said, rather than later is going to be an important thing for us, but I get where you're coming from as well, because I've been in that boat all year long. I didn't think it was something we needed to switch and going into a new year is that time for me to make that change. 
you know what my take on it is really is that what's best for the Kings, right? What's best for the Kings to yeah. win games this year? And, you know, I'm not entirely, I, I, I don't know, maybe a hot take, but I'm not entirely sold like on Tyrese Halliburton being super impactful next to De'Aaron Fox for the next year or two still. I, I don't really know. I mean, I think that guy is a, is, excels better is the primarily primary point guard. You know, that's how I feel about him. Um, and I think that's why they brought him off the bench last year. Who's if he were to start? Who the Kings don't have a primary uh, ball handler in their backcourt off the bench. They don't have one. Um, I don't think Davion Mitchell can do that. I, I mean, I'm not a scout or anything. I watched him play in the summer league. It doesn't look like that's what his game is. It's not what he was scouted as. Um, and, and for so for me, it's it's like I think what's best for the Kings is is keeping Buddy Hield. Maybe you lower Buddy Hield's minutes, and now that you have a, a more round rounded team, you can kind of use him better. Which has always been the problem that we've knocked on on the on his utilization. Really, is mostly his problem. So for me, I, I like him playing that that role that other teams would want him to play, which is the which is the corner shooting coming off, not dribbling. If he's coming off the bench, that guy's ball handling, that guy's dribble driving, he's creating. That's not what he does. That's not where he excels. So if you're paying a guy twenty something million. Why would you bring him off the – that's my take against the people to bring him off the bench, people. If you're bringing him off the bench, what you're paying him to be the ball handler, the shot maker, shot creator. It's not what he does at all. Literally three worst offensive traits he has. Um, whereas Tyrese Halliburton, his primary skill set is ball handling, primary ball handler, distributing, and then just – he's more – he seems like an opportunistic scorer at this point. Like he can kind of come in and people are kind of fading away, you know, and he can kind of – he throws the little floater up or he gets the open three and he shoots it. He's not a take you out the dribble, finish at the rim. He's, he's not doing that right now, and, and I, I don't think it's the best fit. So when you have – my take is when you're rotating that, that, that backcourt like that, Tyrese Halliburton is better coming off the bench. He still can play – Buddy Hill can play 28 minutes. Tyrese Halliburton can play 30 minutes. It doesn't really matter who starts. This isn't this isn't fifth grade basketball, dude. It doesn't really matter. Like every kid needs to start each week. It's not how it works. It's about what's best for the Kings. Tyrese Halliburton, he because he's a he's a ball handler. He can be inserted at different points of the game with different lineups, just way easier, way easier. You know, and that's my thing. It doesn't mean that Fox him can't play at the same time. And to be honest, the Kings don't have a lot of wings at all. They have two. They have. Barnes and Harkless, which they're probably going to be playing a lot of those guys at four as well. So you may see a lot of times where you do see Fox, Halliburton, and Buddy at the on the court at the same time. You know things like that. I no, I, I think they're great points. Um, you know, do you guys put any thought into? Because you, know, you know, I agree with a lot of what you just said in the style of play player playing next to each one of those guys. My thought was always that I kind of thought that. You know, like you said, right, Tyrese is this ball hand, ball handler, um, you know, facilitator, can really be a, a point guard. You know, you will thrive and be in the point guard playing that role. I think putting that next to Fox will allow Fox to even take a bigger jump in the scoring category and focus on that. He'll still be the point guard. Tyrese can play shooting guard, guard shooting guards, but he would allow Fox to not have to focus on getting others involved and really just scoring, maybe bump that points per game up to 27, 28 you know, playing next to a Tyrese Halliburton with the thought that, you know, maybe Davion Mitchell is such a good defender that we can hide Buddy a little bit in that backcourt by playing those two guys together a little bit more. So just, to, you know, I, I agree with the your, your guys' reasoning and, and, and that understanding, but just to, you know, I'm looking at it the same way, but thinking about how they can fit together in other ways as well. And that's, you know, the thought process that comes up to me. It, it, 
any four of them might work together. We have no idea. We haven't seen any of that in, in gameplay yet, but I, I think that um, I, I've always thought that I think Tyrese could be the guy that really helps Fox take the next step in the direction that he's going to go. Just because I don't see Fox as that Jason Kidd point guard. He, he's the scorer, right? Yeah, but I, I think Fox already took that step. That's where that's where like I'm kind of I, I differ from that is like how much do you how much are you going to ask from the guy? You know, at this point, it becomes more about winning games, you know, but statistical output, Fox has already, he's reached it. He's there. You know, anytime that you can average, you know, what do you, what do you do? 25.7, 25. 7 assists and 3 rebounds. Like, anytime that you can hit that type of level of statistical output, dude, you've made it statistically. Now it becomes about winning and it becomes about a team thing and how do, how do I, how do I win games as a, you know, the King's best player. So, um, you know, talking about, you know, having Tyrese out there and helping him bump his scoring average or thing, like that's kind of just wishful thinking in my opinion, like he's arrived statistically. So it, it becomes about what's the best lineup and what's, what can we do to win games? And it's, I think that to win games, I think we need to put, like Eric said, put Buddy in a situation where he's doing things that he's really, really good at. And that's, you know, shooting threes and not having to dribble and not having to worry about distributing the ball. So, I mean, it, it I, and I completely understand what you're saying. So it's going to be interesting. It's going to be fun to watch. And I'm, I'm, it's a good problem to have really. Well, well what's cool. And just a quick comment. Sorry, Eric, I, I cut you off there. Um, What's cool is I think that with the three guards we have outside of buddy, right. Davion, Tyrese Fox, they're all good ball handlers, right? They're all people that can handle the ball and keep the, the the ball out of Buddy's hands. So I think he can thrive next to really any of them, which is a cool place for us to be. Well, that's what's nice about Buddy Hield is that people, when when the Kings use him in a way where I said he's got a shot, create, dribble and stuff, people don't like him. But, but really, a player like that, why he holds so much value in the league is because he's an ultimate, he's the ultimate complimentary player. He's an elite complimentary player. He complements a lot of different styles of games. He complements... A, a low post scorer. He complements a a, a a primary attacking ball handler. He, he's a complimentary player, and they got to utilize him that way. You know, uh, the point about uh, De'Aaron Fox, you know, about him increasing his scoring, really, like Ryan said, I agree with Ryan. Like he has arrived, and really, the the, the thing that's going to take him to that next level is going to be like free throws, really, and then maybe winning one or two more three pointers or a game. That's it. I mean, one or two if it's one more three pointer and hits increases his, his free throw percentage, like. 8%. I mean, the guy's going to average 28 points a game, you know? Um, I mean, it's, it's a good problem to have where, where you have a, a depth, right? That's what we talked about last year. No depth, no depth. Now you have four guards, which all have different skill sets, all of them. And, and there is going to be some type of rotation. I think we're going to see a lot of three guard lineups. Um, and I think that you got to anticipate injuries as well. There's going to be that there. And, you know, I just think that, you know, the case that you, you had there, Casey, I get it. But at the end of the day too, if, if Buddy Hill does end up starting i mean i i kind of hope this conversation can kind of give a little bit of that perspective but the, the i hate buddy fan club is uh never satisfied you know no take no take will ever convince them to the to the uh, to the contrary now um the thing is is here is that if you talked we talked about big game hunting casey all right big game hunting is a siakam it's simmons okay um i don't think that we need to uh pander to the the lower thinkers out there in kingsland and to explain why we want ben simmons i think that's if you don't understand that well i can't help you you know I, i'm not going to explain why we need that guy um you agree with that right casey yeah 
Yeah, and I've been trying to explain okay. it. It doesn't when seem I, like it's getting very far. So it does. You don't need to. You know, uh, there's a saying in life: you don't try to attach logic to illogical people. And I'm not going to do that when it comes to Ben Simmons. But to get uh, to get a big game player like that, um, uh, a lot of Kings fans want their cake and they want to eat it too, right? So they 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 want to give up all these pieces. They hate on Buddy Heald and they hate on Marvin Bagley. But when it comes to Ben Simmons, those are the primary trade assets and they all of a sudden become valuable funny how that works right uh, in order to, in order to get uh the big player it's good i keep saying it it's probably going to require tyrese halliburton that's what i think i think it, it's a, if, if the sixers the kings if the kings could potentially give the best package to the sixers halliburton which they get a starting point guard buddy Hield, they get a starting shooting guard they get marvin bagley who they can they can deal with which we believe in i'm i know you do too and then potentially a pick that's the best they're going to get for it kings fans king's because, pick. <laughs> yeah and because the kings fans love everybody like ryan you know ryan said like you know i, I don't know I, I the kings fans don't for some reason don't want to do that but uh you know i just want to put that out there and let you guys talk about that that that's probably what it'll take right yeah, yeah, I think so too. I, I've committed, right? I, I ran my mouth in the group and said if he gets, if Monty can get a trade done without Tyrese or Davion, I'll be surprised. I'll take ten people to a game for free, just because I, I don't think it's going to happen, right? I, I don't think that the trade can get done without one of those guys being in it, and so that's why you know I, I went and made a, a comment like that is because I just don't see it happening outside of that. So. Um, I think Kings fans need to understand that to get one of those guys back, you're going to have to trade a good young piece. And that's, that's part of it, right? We we've had good young pieces for years. We, we live in the draft. We continue to hope these guys develop and turn into something good. It's time that we move a couple of these young pieces for a legit star, legit talent now and take that next step. And it doesn't seem like people are willing to do that. Hell yeah. Hey, hey do I don't understand the whole I don't understand the whole Tyrese Halliburton's untradeable thing. You know, like you guys are sitting here talking about it and that's what that's what I'm thinking about. It's like, you know, a guy who averaged 13 points a game, you know, five rebounds, whatever, four assists, five assists, whatever, and played 30 minutes a game on a bad team is untouchable. You know, people, you know, they just again, they just fall in love and it's like, dude, anytime, bro, Ben Simmons, are you kidding me? You know, I said I, I had commented in a post on Kingsland was like, dude, if this would have happened before the playoffs, right? If, if this trade was going on before the playoffs at the trade deadline last year, you guys have been losing your minds. Oh my God, we're gonna get Ben Simmons. Oh my gosh, he's so great defensively. He does this, he does that, blah, blah, blah. And then all of a sudden holding Kings fans up from wanting to make that trade is Tyrese Halliburton. And it's like, yeah, Tyrese Halliburton's gonna be a good player. I I mean he already is a good player, but you know, the trajectory that Ben Simmons is on right now is, you know, believe it or not, it's a Hall of Fame trajectory. That's where he's going towards right now. You know, you look at his totality of his career and he's on that Hall of Fame trajectory. And anytime you can get that type of player in Sacramento, you fucking make the deal, regardless of, of what it takes. So there's my two cents on it. It's that living in hope, right? And I, I had somebody recently tell me that they would rather build this way, even though it's less likely to get a winning outcome because if we did get a winning outcome by building internally mean, that it would it mean, mean more. more i just want to win guys i don't i don't care how we do it i want to take the best route to get there it, it's it's such a feelings take to say now i'd rather do it this way even though it's tw- uh way less likely just because it would feel a little bit better to me 
as a Kings fan. Dude, they said that? The people said that? I must have missed that one. That yeah. is – that's rough, man. That is really, really – I I mean, if that, that, that type of shit right there, it just shows, it just shows, man. It shows the, the craziness. Like I'd rather, I'd rather not do it that way. I, I don't know. I don't know. That's bad. I mean, the Kings are going to the longest franchise playoff drought ever in the NBA ever, you know, like some point, you know, it's, it's what it, it's really how teams ha- were built. Though. I mean, it's, it's, it is really the rare exception that a team is 100% homegrown, you know, and, and, and really, if that does happen, if you look in the last 40 years in, in NBA history, it's just because the homegrown team happened to draft an all-time top 10 player. <laughs> you know, that's so that's your outlier. That's your outlier. Well, people cite the Warriors. And I say Steph Curry. Okay, there's Steph Curry. You know, one, 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 a generational type of impactful player, change the NBA type of player. People like to, um, you know, the Bulls did it. Michael Jordan is the greatest fucking player of all time. Uh, there you go. You know, uh, the, the, the Spurs did it. Tim Duncan may be the greatest power forward to ever play basketball, you know? And so when you start to uh, pick at those homegrown takes, look at the outlier situations that come with it. Most of the time, that's not how it happens. Uh, most of the time, what happens is that teams get a couple players. They get a couple good all-star players. And then it ta- it requires a package or, or something to to get that one extra player to put them over the hump. So let's cite a couple teams here for the two thousands. Um, the Miami Heat, okay, they got Dwayne Wade. They had a, some veterans. They go and get Shaq, okay, via trade. They pulled off Detroit Pistons. They had a they had a good team. Had All Star Ben Wallace. They were they were kind of making the in the playoffs. They go trade for Rasheed Wallace. Boom, they win a championship. You know, if, if you look at the Dallas Mavericks. They just got a shit ton of veterans and, and built it around Dirk, you know? And, and, and so that's what you, you do. No one ever just drafts the players, builds them here for a couple of years in a farm system or something. And then one day they all of a sudden they take over the NBA. That's a pipe dream. That doesn't happen. Um, it only happens in your, in your 2k, uh, you know, f- uh, franchise simulation. And it only happens uh, when you draft a top 10 player of all time. What do you guys think about that? That's real. That's a real that's a that's a real take. Yeah, that's true. And, uh, you know, people will try to point out maybe some stuff from like the 70s or the 60s and yeah, get the fuck out of here with that. OK, yeah. Ha- less teams, you know, yeah. uh, it's different. You don't, compare, you, you know, player, like players, that. you know, yeah, just get get out here with that. You know, you, you talk about 80s, 90s, you know, 2000s basketball, you know, modern era basketball. And that's that's real. That's a real take right there. And that's that's exactly how it happens. And I, I would. You know, I, I was sitting here trying to think of, you know, a counter to that. And there isn't, you know, people talk, you know, you try to, you know, early 2000s Lakers. You no, know, that doesn't work. Shaq, Shaq came there. You know, the later 2000s Lakers, 2010, not nah, Powell, Ron Artest came there. They didn't draft any of those guys. Lamar Odom came in. The Celtics uh, in, looks what they did. The Celtics, they, they had their big three that came in. The Heat. Um, the Heat, you know, there's just, it's non-existent. It, it it's non-existent so good take man yeah, yeah that's it, where... it's one i say all the time it, it's one I, I i say a lot eric so i i don't have anything to add to it i, I think it's it's a spot on take um but it, it's one people need to hear mm-hmm. and that's at some point that's why case that's why casey though every time you're on the draft you're with us right we're, we're we are hashtag ttp trade the pick plus package a player to 
get somebody. That, that's why we always push that take is because that's the best way to move forward. And, and that was the problem with the Kings through the DeMarcus Cousins years is that they were just so salary cap heavy and they, they blew their loads on so many draft picks. And then any picks they did have, they traded to move bad overpaid contracts. And then they were a team that had no talent and no assets. And then you know, can never move forward. You get in that situation, you got to blow it up, you know? So when you're a team who's, who's like the Kings where you've, you've, you've drafted, you know, Kings have a history of drafting poorly, but they've drafted well as of late. If you look at it, you know, they've, they've drafted some guys. I mean, I, I guess people shit on Bagley, but I get that, but you know, you don't win them all. Right. But you have got a couple of key guys, you know, in Fox and Halliburton, um, you know, and then, so you, things happen. Right. And, and so when you kind of are on that streak and you have a couple of key guys and you have assets and you have cap flexibility, Now's the time. Now's the time to strike iron. Now's the time to package with a young player, future picks, and and and, and build your team up. And I, that's what I like about UKC that you agree with us on that. You know, because a lot of people, for some reason, that 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 doesn't um, register. You know, uh, I wanted to ask you about Marvin Bagley though, because it's 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 kind of I think the. Uh, I, I try to foresee all the future takes out there on Kingsland, right? And that's the one I think that's under the surface that's going to to become. Uh, more prevalent in discussion once the season turns around because um, he may not get traded, you know, and that's going to be very interesting to see how that happens and what, what how they handle him. Um, where, where do you, where do you stand on Bagley overall right now? Just in general? Yeah, I've always been a, a big Bagley fan. I think the, the talent is there. You know, I think that over the last three years, he's had some unfortunate incidents that have put us in a situation where we, we couldn't really, allow him to, to grow with our team and get comfortable. So I think we're sitting in a situation now, you know, approaching his final season under contract with the Kings where, you know, we're looking at it in the sense of, you know, should he be moved this year? So we get something back. Is he worth us, you know, because he, he will be a restricted free agent, you know, is he worth being in the situation where we have to match, you know, to try to keep him, extend him. He's not happy here. We haven't been very happy with him. Um, I think Marvin Bagley is going to have a really good NBA career. I think he's going to be a, a good NBA player, 20 and 10 guy or close to it. Maybe, you know, we've talked about putting him in on a bench role, um, being the scoring big off the bench. I think he can, he can really be good and have a good NBA career. I just don't think it's going to be in Sacramento anymore. Uh, you know, I think that that window unfortunately has closed and it's going to be, it, you know, the same situation where we've been talking about with Bogey, with Holmes, if we're not going to match, if we know that going in, I think we should end up trying to trade him at the deadline and get something of value back. Um, but we'll see. You know, it, it, you never know what could happen. Winning cures all. Maybe we have a really good start to the season. Bagley starting, contributing, staying healthy. Um, we're winning ball games. Maybe it all flips in a half of a season and he wants to stay. You know, you don't know. Um, so, you know, I think that there's a, a bunch of possibilities right now. For me, the most likely thing, we're looking to move him right now so that we don't lose him at the end of the year for nothing, being in a situation where we have to match somebody believing in him maybe a little bit more than we do. I think that, yeah, it's, if, if they roll into the season with him and he's healthy, I mean, he, he, he could start. I mean, it's like he could start, really, um, because uh, someone posted on Kingsland his uh, – like uh, what, what I is Ryan? Oh shit! I think it was Ryan Jameson. I told him I'd refer to this on the podcast, so I'd, I'd have to find the post. But he he was kind of posted about Bagley, and and he was kind of pre- oh he was pre- he was kind of like predicting his allocation of minutes for the Kings this year, and he kind of listed Bagley at like twenty eight minutes a game, and 
a lot of people on that post, they, they were, you know, Oh, Bagley, blah, blah, blah. And I said, you know, I'd love to see what Bagley's statistical output is at that, at 28 minutes. And someone replied to me, you know, like a bullshit stat line, like six points, three, three rebounds, five fouls, you know, like a jokey one. Worse than his 25 minutes a game stats. And I said, yeah, it's his 24, 25 minutes a game statistical baselines, 14 and seven. I mean, I mean, that's, that's offensively and rebounding wise. I mean, it's pretty good, you know? And, and so um, at 28 minutes a game, fully healthy, getting older. I mean, if the guy really does play 20 minutes and actually stays healthy and actually starts consistently, I mean, for once, I mean, he, he's going to average, uh, what do you guys think? I think it's like 16 points and eight rebounds. I really do. Yeah. I think it's that pretty easy, but I think what a lot of people, what it comes down to is his defense. You know, that's what it is. It just comes down to is he, you know, it doesn't matter about his offensive statistics, dude. It's kind of the Michael Beasley effect, you know, like Michael Beasley, you know, averaged 19 and a half a game one year, but he's so atrocious on defense that it didn't fucking matter. Like it, it was, it wasn't worth having that offensive output in there. Um, so that for me, that's what it comes down to Marvin Bagley is, is can he even just be okay you know, can you just not be atrocious is what it comes down to defensively. And and if he can, if he can do that, then I would say 16 and eight is kind of low. I think, I think he's, you know, 16 and 10 and honestly, All right, we'll see. Yeah. Well, you know, Jaron Jackson, he scores and doesn't even rebound and he doesn't play defense. Jaron Jackson, Jackson fucking sucks. Jaron Jackson but every, fucking sucks. And everybody loves him, dude. And he's, and he's he misses, he misses just as much games as Marvin Bagley, dude. Yeah. Okay? Everybody, everybody loves him though. Everybody you know? loves everybody loves Jaron Jackson, dude. He the guy doesn't fucking play. The guy doesn't rebound, dude. It's it's absolutely you're gonna get me going off on a tan. Yeah, well, I just let me make the point. I yeah, because yeah, you, know, you yell, yell at me. I didn't do anything. I just brought yeah, I, fucking, I just brought his name up. Yeah, Jaron Jackson. People love Jaron Jackson. Uh, people love you know John Collins. He doesn't play. I mean, but he's been he's been on the floor a bit more, right? Um, someone said to trade to trade Marvin Magley for Jonathan Isaac. I'm like, okay, so you're just gonna get another guy who doesn't do, doesn't score anything as well, and has coming a off a torn ACL. ACL. Yeah, yeah I don't know about it. It, it. It's just the value to put on him. And if the guy rolls out on the season, though, the point is that he he's gonna produce offensively. But I'm with UKC. I mean, we have we. This is a hill we've been just like holding the line on this one. You, me, Ryan, and other people out there. And I do think that it has come to a time where he's going to be out. And the reason that's going to push him out is not from, it's not even from us, right? Cause you believe in his talent. I believe in his talent. And I think it's, he's going to go somewhere. And if, as long as he stays healthy and produces, the guy's going to be a good player. And so it's not his talent thing. But I think the contract, the looming contract extension is going to, uh, or, or, you know, is going to really be the, the, the nail that's going to that in the coffin, so to speak, that's going to push him out. And, um, yeah, so I I just hope I do hope that the Kings trade trade him um and and get that value back. You know, I, I uh, it's something I wanted to ask you about bringing it on here um because we haven't spent a lot of time talking with you about like pre Fox Kings like the, the the DMC Kings era. You know, and it's it's just uh, a lot of blame goes to Bagley, but I wanted to have this conversation with you about the Kings organization. You know, when you draft a guy number two overall. Uh, to me, it seems like all of your resources should go into that player, his training, your, uh, your whole, whole entire team, how you, ma- how you maneuver your team, um, his role, everything. I mean, I mean, really it's kind of catered to that type of player. That's what you do. Um, it just seems like the Kings being a triple a AAA level organization when it's come to uh, drafting uh, players in the last couple of years. I mean, really, I think Fox Fox's talent is, is a, uh, 
inevitable. You know what I mean? It, it was going to come out no matter what you did because he has the ball in his hands and he stays healthy. I think he would have performed. But when it comes to these big men, Cousins, Bagley, um, you know, other players, it just shows that they don't know how to handle it, right? And so what do you think about that? What do you think about that take? I mean, yeah, I, I do agree. And I think from, you know, from Bagley's first year, right, we – we didn't hand him the keys to the kingdom. He was coming off the bench. Jaeger kind of brought him on slow. And, you know, ever since after that first year, right, we were, we were going to make him the starter, kind of bring him in from there. And that's when he started getting hurt. So, you know, I, I do think that we contributed to that early on in not making him comfortable out of the gate. Um, but I think that there's also a lot that goes on behind the scenes that I'm not going to, you know, act like, like I know. Right. So maybe there were some other things here. Uh, it, it's just unfortunate with him, man. So like I said, I, I think he has all the talent in the world. I have a, a signed Marvin Bagley ball that's sitting on top of my desk over my head right now. I just finally moved it over. It was uh, one of my showcase items that I had on there. I just moved it over. Got a Kevin Garnett Hall of Fame signed ball that, that I replaced it with. So I still think he's going to be a good player. I'm kind of losing a little bit of that star faith in him, you know, as, as years go on. Um, but, you know, it, it is what it is at this point in time with him. And I just, like you said, I hope we end up getting something back. The Yeah, and I agree with you. You know, I don't, we don't. I don't like to make takes either of stuff. I don't know. I'm not, I don't cover the fucking team. Like, I, I don't know what these guys do. Ryan always says that. Like when they're like, he's a good locker room guy. Do you know that? I mean, he could be great to the media and he could be slapping everybody's, everybody's junk in the locker room. You know, he could be that guy, you know, like just the Joker, the clown. You don't know. We, we have, have no, no clue. clue. So I, I don't like to speak on stuff like that either, but what I, what I can speak on is how the reports have come out surrounding the situation and how the Kings have, what they have shown us and what they have shown us is from the time he came in, which was, Hey, young guy, go on the bench, get in when you get put in perform. If not, then, you know, it was no like, Hey man, we're really going to work you in. We're going to work him in this certain situation. It was initially they babied the shit out of him, And then they got frustrated that he wasn't playing a lot of minutes. <laughs> it's like, they tried to play it both ways, you know? And I just don't think it was fair overall. You draft the guy number two overall. You you work to figure that out. And and there's it's not uh, we did an episode um, since we last had you on. It was it was a, a Marvin Bagley episode is what he called it. And Ryan and I definitely laid a lot of this out, you know, um, and, and it's at the end of the day, if the guy gets moved in and, and, and really there's not a return back um, I think the fault comes on the Kings as an organization. Cause I don't think as an organization, you can say that they really did everything. I'm not, it's like, why do they get the benefit of the doubt that the same franchise that fucked up DeMarcus cousins, the same franchise that drafted Jimmer that drafted uh, Thomas Robinson, Stauskas. Y- 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 Nick Stauskas, um, uh, Willie Cauley Stein. I mean, that's five. Why do, why does that organization get the benefit of the doubt when uh, for a, a young player not developing and, and it, all the blame goes to the player. You know, that's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying because Marvin Bagley is how old guys 22. So um, at some, at some point it's like, put it in context. No, I, I agreed hundred percent. No, I, I think the Kings are going to get a lot of this blame. A lot of it is their fault. Um, that, that second year with Bagley w- was tough. I think we babied the hell out of him and it really stunted growth. Um, uh, at that point. And, you know, it, it is what it is at this point. Yeah. Like I said, I think the window is closed with him. It's unfortunate. I've been a fan of his since day one, he's going to have a good career. 
we're going to end up moving on from him if I have had to guess. And we're going to hear a lot of, damn, we should have never let him go when there was very few people saying that we should have kept him to begin with. So it's, uh, seems like it's a commonality here to, to reach that verdict. And I think we're going to hit that with Bagley hard. And ain't it the truth. Well, KC, man, it was really, really fun to have you back on, dude. I'm, I'm really hoping it's not a couple of months before we do Kingsland episode five. I, I think we really can make it a point to do this uh, once a month and bring that back, especially as we're getting closer to the season. Uh, you know, I, we definitely want to shout out Cap City uh, Crown and our guy Tony over there again one more time. Maybe we bring him on the next time for just those quality graphics and, and the takes out there. Um, and then, you know, Casey, you want to shout out some specific people in Kingsland or Kingsland members in general? Um, the only person that I want to, you know, shout out specifically, we have a new member, Dylan, who I've been going back and forth with, with, and I think he just has really good takes. You know, I've told him that a couple of times. I appreciate him, you know, joining the group and providing some, uh, um, some good takes in there and some good back and forth. I know he's only been in there, I think, two or three weeks at this point. So I'll give him a quick shout out. And then anybody else, you know, our, our top 10 contributors, you know, we, we appreciate you guys month in and month out. It seems like a lot of you guys are up there. But like Eric was just saying before we jumped on, it seemed that we had a lot of new faces as well. So appreciate you guys uh, interacting in the group. You know, we've been getting a lot of good feedback that, that you guys like the environment that we've set up here. So, you know, we appreciate that. We appreciate all the, the, the kind words on the podcast as well. I haven't told you guys, but I got a couple of messages. They, they think I'm one of the main people on the podcast, right? So they're telling me, uh, you guys are doing a great job. So I'm just, you know, telling them, thank you. You know, it's, it's not me that, that's running the show, but we appreciate it. Um, you know, be sure to go leave us a, a good review. But yeah, no, shout out to everybody who's been, been interacting there. We appreciate it a lot. Good stuff, man. Yeah, number one Kings group on Facebook. Uh, one thing I do want to do at some point, Casey, are you going to come out here all to California this year to watch any games? I'm trying to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If, Especially if, you, if, if we end up making that trade and I got to take 10 people to a game, I'll for sure be out there for that one. But, yeah, I'm yeah. trying to get out to some games this year. Well, I yeah. told you, Casey, you come out, man. I got the season tickets, dude. So I got, yeah, you, yeah. On two, I got you on some tickets, man. So Yeah, yeah. And one thing I want to do this year, KC, is I do want to try to organize some type of uh, Kingsland get-together. Um, I think a lot of people have been asking for it. I think, I think it'd be kind of fun if, if we kind of all picked a game and people showed up and got got loud and met some people. Uh, we did, we had the opportunity to do that back in April and met some people. We got to meet Chris and and our guy, Matt Lacko, <laughs> a couple other other people out there who listened to the podcast. And it was fun. You know, got drunk, had a good time, and talked about the Kings. So we appreciate everybody out there. So, hey, guys, we uh, appreciate you listening. And if you ever want to interact and be part of the show, you can always do so by tagging us. You can find uh, Ryan and I uh, on Twitter and Facebook at Kingscast Eric. You can also find KC on Facebook at uh, Kingsland KC. Um, he's the admin on the Kingsland Facebook group with Ryan and I, uh, along with Cap City Crown Tony. Um, and to stay up to date with the podcast, you can always uh, check those out at Kingscast. So with that, for Ryan, this is Eric. Go Kings. Kings. This episode was brought to you by Ziggy Smoke Shop, 209's headiest smoke shop. Follow them on Instagram at Ziggy Smoke Shop 209 for a view of all of their awesome inventory.
thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.